Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. Happy long weekend. Happy long weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, civic ho- is it civic holiday technically? August August civic holiday. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I think we've. Is I can't remember if it's officially been named here in Alberta as Heritage Day on Monday. Mm-hmm. It hasn't. It's still civic uh, holiday. If it if it has been officially named that, I missed it. Well, it's Heritage Days to us. Um, it's our favorite time of the year because. There's the Heritage Festival. Why don't you tell the listeners what the Heritage Festival is? Um, I probably did this last year, but I'll do it again. Uh, it is a lovely, big, sprawling park that is totally filled with tents that are set up and sponsored by uh, different countries. There's like 100 tents, 100 different countries, about 70 of them, 70-ish, serve food. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's not not just food, but there's there's um, like little tiny market stalls with all kinds of crafts and stuff from these countries. There's educational stuff. There's maps in almost every one to show you like what the countries look like. And and the people who are who are there working in the tents are always really happy to tell you about their countries. Today we learned a lot about Mali and was it Ecuador? Ecuador is yesterday. Was it today? Ecuador yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've win both days. So mm-hmm. Yes, we go. It's three days. We go every day and um, just eat a whole bunch of food. And then they, they also do performances. So there's dancing and martial arts displays and bands and yeah. music performances. And it's just, it's just really, really cool. And this year they have a tent from uh, Edmonton's sister city, Nashville. Yeah. So we got to see some country music as well. Yes, we never see enough country music in this town. But. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't go close enough to see uh, what they had for food offerings. But uh, I mean, I've been. I've been to the actual Nashville, as right. opposed to like I've never been to Mali or Ecuador. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. No. I, it's. 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 I love it because it really shows off. Can it's. It's one of my most proudest weekends for me as a Canadian because it just shows how many people have come to this country from other parts of the world and yet are happy to make their home yet also celebrate where they came from and I'm happy that they celebrate because then we learn about where they came from and 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 how nice those other places are. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool how at least for the moment, uh, Canada. And certainly Edmonton are very welcoming communities to people who are different, people coming from other places. And uh, when we look at the world, uh, I'm looking at my home country, United States. Yeah, looking at you, U.S., mm-hmm. and how it has slowly been sliding into uh, something sort of like what we saw in today's episodes of the of Inf- Inferno. Uh, yep, I, uh, I managed to <laughs> segue. Steering right into that segue. Nice work. Yes, thank you. We watched episodes three and four, mm-hmm. um, so we got to see the cliffhanger of the Doctor disappearing, and then appearing in this world that uh, is very dictatory and fascist, and everybody's just you know militaristic and doing what they're told. Yeah, it's a terrifying reality to be frank. Yeah, it's it's pretty awful mm-hmm. I, I don't think that especially with the tone that was needed to portray how bad this mirror universe is so to speak i don't think that any other season apart from season seven is would be possible like you know i can't imagine this in any other era of doctor who apart from this perhaps the most adult oriented doctor who season you know because it's just it's just grim there's a like you know there's talk of like oh we're going to execute you and shoot you and like where's the royal family executed all of them like there's just a overbearing sense of doom and gloom that i just really feel like the doctor might actually not get out of this one yeah i mean i can 
maybe picture them doing it in some other eras, but it would feel maybe more cartoony, I guess. Yeah. Whereas this doesn't. Uh, maybe season eighteen. Like I feel like they could have they could have pulled it off maybe in season eighteen, which also feels grim in its own way. I, I have to say I, I've been I've been speaking of the music or lack thereof throughout the course of this, but I feel like you know not having your traditional Doctor Who score really helps mm-hmm. it make it feel like this weird mirror universe like you know there there's the the most music we ever really get is the uh, that strange sort of electronic action music that's happening during the car chase in in middle of episode three and that's like nothing really we've ever heard on doctor who before so everything is just so unsettling that it just it's really effective yeah unsettling is a good word for it mm-hmm. i feel like probably the first time that i watched this I prop I'm, I'm guessing I enjoyed episode three more than I enjoy it now because I think the, the the shock factor of being like wow like where what just happened why why is everybody firing at him what what has changed and as he sort of you know is there's a, a long chase scene and I have a tendency to get bored with those and I feel like maybe the first time I might have enjoyed it more because there was like the novelty factor and the the WTF factor going on whereas this time like I, I've seen it before so I know what what's coming I know that we're going to get the uh you know the brigade leader and the section leader and all that kind of stuff um so I found the chase to be well executed, but not for me. Yeah, that's John Pertwee doing all of his own stunt driving right there. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I figured, like, because it's just right, it's a wide shot and it's him in a car. Uh-huh. Yep. And he loves his cars. So I bet you probably said, hey, instead of me running around, how about we drive around and, like, just stunt men throwing, at him, throwing themselves at his car and all that? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why <laughs> Bessie, for some reason, came along with the TARDIS console, mm-hmm. I, whereas nothing else in the room did. Hmm. Yeah, I'm actually thinking for future episodes, does Bessie even feature that much? I don't know if it does. I might a little bit. It's an easy, it's a quick way to get from place to place, like all automobiles. So there is that factor in as well. That's true. Yeah. And it makes your star happy to give him something like that to do. So, mm-hmm. sure. It worked. Um, I, I find that um, Nicholas Courtney as the brigade leader, I mean, everyone sort of makes the IPAC jokes and he has and his convention anecdote is that you know when they were in rehearsals and stuff and he was sitting be, with his back to everyone like that and when he swung around they were all wearing eye patches they're all playing a joke on him you see and it's an off thing but boy i think his performance is the most because you know we're so used to the brigadier as being just you know our friend so to speak and but he i think is the mo- like you know liz shaw there's a twinkle there the real Liz Shaw is in there somewhere, but the brigade leader is so close yet so different from the brigadier that it, it's almost sad to watch him like that. I don't know. I feel like his performance still has the same sort of twinkle that yeah. the brigadier does, but it's not like it's not like a twinkle of recognition or uh, I'm possibly listening to you. There's definitely it's it's very much. It, it you know it reminds me of the first time that we we met our um, colonel I guess he was at the time um, the the kind of person who's not going to believe any nonsense until he sees it proven to right. him and at this point this character hasn't so I feel like he's really really similar to the brigadier he's a no nonsense guy like imagine our brigadier and okay no there's no doctor around but mm-hmm. some random person shows up and starts spouting off and he's supposed to be guarding something really, right. really important. I feel like he would, you know, obviously he's not going to be doing the rough interrogation techniques and the torture and the threatening to shoot. That's a that's a societal thing. But I think character-wise, he's really the same person. 
I suppose, yeah. It, but you're right. It is the way that he's doing it. You know, the shouting, the, uh, the, you know, he he cuts off Doctor uh, Professor Stallman a lot of the time. It's a security. Mm-hmm. It's my, you know, you could just you could tell him he, oh, I nearly flew off the handle there. But yeah, yeah, like, and I feel like there are moments when we've seen our brigadier kind of like, sort of, <clears throat> bristle at authority and. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and just and the way that the brigade leader is, he's always got that sly little smile. It's just like that just feels very brigadier to me. So I don't I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely disturbing to see mm-hmm. to see somebody that, you know, and trust being so very different. Um, same thing with Liz. Same thing with Benton, too, who is a brute. Yeah, he's awful. I think he's probably the most disturbing one for me because mm. he's just ab- there's. That's the one that seems different because our Benton is just like this chummy, happy-go-lucky guy. Mm-hmm. And this guy is like that's been beaten out of him, I feel like. Yeah. So it's that's the one that's to me <clears throat> feels the most separated and sad. Mm-hmm. And credit to Douglas Camfield, the director of, of the initial director. It's all Barry Letts from here on in, apart from the sil- film sequences, as we talked about. But uh, in the script, the original script, it was just going to be some generic corporal or sergeant Mm -hmm. you know kind of like how they've been doing it up until now is basically oh we have like an entire new captain and sergeant Mm -hmm. uh, in each unit episode but as Canfield says well why don't we just use John Levine again Mm -hmm. he was in the last episode he was in the episode I directed the invasion and so they quickly sort of changed it to make it um, Sergeant Benton again so it made it a recurring character so we already know him Mm -hmm. we already see seen him in you know the invasion and ambassadors of death you can sort of say okay he's a neat loyal little fellow like that Mm -hmm. so i like that we know who he is before we even see him in inferno that so when the time comes that we see the platoon underleader benton he's just like oh this is not my benton at all this is really sad and he's kind of like the first major character that we see in the mirror universe uh, that we stop, know. Stop calling it the mirror universe. That's a Star Trek term. It's a parallel universe. I know. I'm doing it as a bit of a joke. I, I, and I, it's not funny. I for, and I forgot the word parallel universe. <laughs> okay. Well, that's understandable. Yeah. So so when we see Benton like react so violently, it's like, oh, wow, we are in a different place or something like mm-hmm. that. It's that that sort of like is your immediate trigger that, that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And then the, it doesn't take the doctor that long to find out, but I like that we sort of see the process. I feel like trying to think um the age of steel rise of the cybermen also takes place in an alternate universe and i think basically they sort of look outside and say oh zeppelins i guess we're in an alternate universe where it takes a good few minutes for the doctor to suss out what's going on here well if there had been zeppelins in the sky then he would have known immediately because that is just the shorthand for you know we're not in the same spot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i wonder what the origin i i'm trying to think of i watched a documentary about this about like there's a twilight zone episode or something of a parallel universe or something star trek had only started airing in the uk and like 69 taking over from the war game so i feel like that mirror mirror episode or whatever it's called wouldn't have necessarily entered the public lexicon at this mm-hmm. point to say oh we should do an episode like that i'm just wondering what the history of of parallel universe stories was well, I feel like that was a thing in Golden Age science fiction. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily anything new with televised science fiction. It was right. that was that was happening in books and short stories and stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm just curious. There's there's nothing new in sci-fi. <laughs> that's that's definitely true. 
Um, what else? What else about this uh, this story? Did you did you want to talk about anything at all? Uh, the one person who's better in the parallel universe is right. Sutton. Because <laughs> he's not as creepy towards Petra. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's possible that he had been before we, you know, jumped in here to mm-hmm. see to see things. But but yeah, he's the one character who is sympathetic and who actually saves the doctor's life. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's it, it. Sort of gives you a little bit of hope about this society that yes, it's very oppressed mm-hmm. uh, and oppressive, but there are still people who understand how wrong that is. You know, like after it's scary to watch a society sort of slowly slide into thinking that the awful way things are is just, oh, that's sort of the way things have always been. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, we just have to we just have to live with it, you know, and I feel like that's probably the way that that society got to where it is. But there's still there are still people who recognize how awful it is. And so you've got Sutton there being that person, that sort of voice of reason. And he knows he's probably going to get shot mm-hmm. um, when this is all over. And he's just doing his best to do the smart thing and try to save people because he knows that this is a dangerous proposition. Um, I mean, like he, I think he wants to succeed, but he recognizes that the way Stallman is going about it mm-hmm. is dangerous. It- yeah, it's almost like he is the voice of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, of that that just that 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 human instinct of compassion and and caring and doing the right thing, and that's that's what comes to the surface. And when we first meet him, you know, he's got the, the suit buttoned up tie, and he seems, you know, he seems like Greg Sutton still, but he's still like a, a more restrained Greg Sutton, especially around Petra, and especially after she says like, you know, what you know what'll happen when this project's done, you'll probably they'll probably find a way to kill you because that's the world they live in and Mm -hmm. yeah yep whereas you know the original version of him that we know from from our universe is much more uh shouty and brash and kind of obnoxious uh in the way that you know he's still trying to do the same things but he's going about it sort of differently so like i kind of actually prefer the parallel universe version of him if i had to choose somebody because he's yeah I don't know. He just he seems a little bit more noble mm-hmm. in the way that he's he's striving and fighting for for the right thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Anything else about these two episodes, Tom? No. Um, I mean, um, Liz's alternate universe costume is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That get up. I, I like I like that the you know the Liz who wanted to be a scientist is very slowly sort of being coaxed out a little bit and she's almost like rejecting it herself when you know mm-hmm. well I, I became a soldier so I guess that's 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 nonsense mm-hmm. then isn't it? you know she's kind of like denying herself and even when she goes and talks to the doctor as a as one-on-one there in the cells um you think that she, perhaps she's gonna you know she, she's almost denying it herself and trying to think I'm gonna paint you as a crank and a free speech um, demonstrator or something and that will sort of uh, you know prevent me from looking at the the real fact that yes I, w- I did want to become a scientist but I'm powerless to stop that now this is the society I live in and I am a section leader and there's nothing I can do about that yeah I mean maybe we're seeing a little crack in the facade mm-hmm. but it's also possible she just at this point doesn't believe him at all and you know she's like she's trying to make him fit into some 
box that makes sense in the world that she lives in. Mm-hmm. So that's when she comes up with the, the theory about the free speech. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, free speech group. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's, it, it is fun seeing the way the doctor handles all of this. It's very, you know, it's very doctory. He's not cowed. Mm-hmm. He's, he stays sort of true to himself. He tries to escape. He's he's still being clever. He manages to fix the computer, and they let him. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. They they had nothing to lose, so that's another bit of Liz going sort of like, nothing to lose. Let's see what, let's see what happens here. Yeah. It's already broken, so mm-hmm. why not? I, I feel like that's a little, a little bit thin because, like, what if he managed to somehow make it blow up or something? Like, I feel like you do have something to lose, but sure, whatever. Like, like rigging it to like explode and so you can escape in the in the smoke, that sort of thing. Yeah, and, or create some sort of a diversion or just dis- mm-hmm. distraction. But, but you know, there's always that. You know, the doctor gets away with and gets to do a lot more than a normal person would in like a real circumstance. Yeah. So this is just one more example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then episode four ends with uh, the countdown to the drilling, and or is it the countdown to the doctor being shot by Stallman? Mm-hmm. Cliffhanger. Yeah, that was that was a good solid cliffhanger. What was the cliffhanger at the end of episode three? I feel like it wasn't as. It was either uh, I, sh- I, oh, okay. I shoot you here and now. Yeah, Benton's right here. She's basically the doctor. You're gonna get shot. Two both ep- both cliffhangers of that. Yep. Yeah, I feel like this one's a little bit more. Uh, intense mm-hmm. i don't know somehow i just never thought that Bannon was just going to shoot him in the head right there mostly because like that would create a mess and <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot going on yeah there's a lot of soldiers and scientists creeping about but i haven't seen a single cleaning crew so that would probably <laughs> be there for a while yep. yeah. mm-hmm. all right is that it for this one I'm gonna watch the next two yeah on to the next all right on lazy doctor who on the incomparable network you're ridiculous but that is true okay goodbye <laughs> goodbye <laughs>